Cool. Oh! <laughs> Stereo. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. Sometimes John and I say things that, well, not just... No, it's movements, we finish sentences, we moan at the same time. Yeah, that was really that was really. We weird. laugh inappropriately at the same yes. time. Folks at home, well, this is the Film Photography Podcast. It is November 15th, 2020. Hmm. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to be on the radio. And when I... Well, this is a hybrid show. I'm going to explain. I'm going to be very quick about all of this because who has time? Well, who has yeah. time? Nobody. Holidays coming up and all that stuff. Yeah. This is the first segment that uh, that we have recorded that's audio only. Uh, it's no YouTubes. Uh, it's no no camera looking in on me. No Zooms. No Zoom. Well, it, it, and, you know, it's sort of like cell phone technology versus the hard landline. You know, back in the day, everyone had a phone on the wall. Still got one. Yeah. And some people, like, you know, if your kid had a phone, it'd be called a teen phone. <laughs> Separate line. Separate line. And the audio, the signal was so good. I, you know, everyone, everything is just, everyone's just fine today with everything yeah. just being not so good. Yeah. Cell phone connection, awful. Iffy connection. Now, I watch a lot of news on, you know, all, all the networks are using Zoom. Yeah, you know, hey, we're bringing in our you know latest uh, uh, scientific expert, so and so, and they're in in their house. Mm-hmm. The audio's awful. Yeah, awful. It's not network quality. So we've been recording since the beginning of the global pandemic in March of 2020. We've been recording. I mean, we've been carrying on on Zoom. Yes, and it's awful. Yeah, it's jarring to me. It's like everything's jarring about it. The fact that you'll get used to it like anything else, Mike. But the sound is terrible. I know, but that's what people get used to. Remember when distortion was awful? Now it's everywhere. <laughs> it's just accepted. So don't worry. Don't hold up such high standards for the evolution of audio and I video. I guess you're right. Anyhow, so this is a hybrid show, and we're gonna be we're gonna be rolling in uh, some some segments that were were recorded on Zoom using the awful Zoom audio. Yes, evil Zoom. Okay, um, and we're gonna be you know just re- John and I are gonna be like introducing each segment, uh, and all of a, my my efforts were thwarted. Is that a good word? Yeah. Well, it depends what you're gonna say next. My efforts were thwarted this year. My plan was by October to hit the rickety road, go to Columbus, Ohio. Oh, thwarted, yes. And I wanted to record like an old fashioned FPP episode. I'd be in a fancy hotel in Columbus, and Matt would be there, Leslie, and Owen would be there. Mark. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun. We're car- you know, we're carrying on here. We're carrying on my wayward son. A super thank. We're carrying on the school donation program. We've sent oh my God. hundreds of cameras out in the last six months. Ask me what I did all day, Mike. John, what did you do all day? I opened up like forty boxes of film donation yep. cameras, Folks, film. From all uh, over the country, donate. Oh, the, a big thing, uh, the uh, camera straps. A lot of camera straps. Someone out there is sending in brand new camera straps? Tons, yeah. The new ones. In the box, in the nice brown box. Someone, I don't know if it's a company, There's no, in the box there's is no, never a note. It comes from Amazon? Yes. We have dozens of camera straps, which is going to be great because when we send packages to schools. Right, we'll throw them some straps. Yeah, but I, we don't know who, who the donor is. It's like, a, what do they call it? A guardian angel. Yes. You would think, because people ask, oh, is the camera donation program still in gear? It's more than ever because notes from uh, teachers are saying, hey, we don't have a film cage anymore. We need to assign each student their own camera. Yeah. Due to the fact of the COVID-19. The COVID. So we've donated a bunch and bunches and bunches. We have a bunch more. 
So if you're listening and you need cameras yeah. out there, you're school. And so gotcha. a big thank you to everyone out there who has donated to us. And this gentleman, Speaking Gary. Thank you. Is it Gary? Gary, yeah, Gary Miller. Yes. What's Gary say? And Ann Miller. Gary says, thank you for good, your good work in helping students understand the history and significance of film photography. He sent a donation and a check for $25 and a lovely photograph of himself. I'm keeping all of that. It's fantastic. Shall I go on? I got a couple more. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh hold, hold on. A special Sorry. massage? I got the silence. My camera. These, this number calls me every day. It's One. like I'm, I'm calling for the owner of the car. One woman sent us cameras, and she threw her cell phone in there. <laughs> she did. There was a cell phone in it. Here, let me just... Um, I would love to read these, but there are so many. Okay, like, let's do a few before we get to our first right, segment. so we're oh, going to just roll I, through. Yeah? I, I should just tell everyone, today we're going to be talking about scanning options. We, we, we yeah. don't talk about scanning enough. DSLR scanning. So scanning your film with DSLR camera, your DSLR camera, using the negative supply system. Who are we talking to about that? Talking to Matt Mirage, yeah. our good friend Josh Steele over at Roberts Distributors, right. also known as Roberts Camera, mm-hmm. and Pro Photo... Is that right, Josh? Pro oh. Photo... Pro uh, Photo... They have a great yeah. used camera store. Okay. Uh, that's a great segment. Then we're going to be talking about the best value in 35mm SLR cameras. Mm. I'm going to save it. And then we're going to be talking about, Matt's going to be talking about, the medium format desert. Because the, all these yeah. cameras that were like just, I mean, I, I remember back in 2012, we were always talking about the, the fridge. Mm. Uh, Dane and Mark with their yep. Pentax. Yep. The bigger Penta- the better. Pentax uh, 6.7. And it's, it was just a big, yeah, big brick. Yeah. And no one wanted them. They always were left behind on the shelf. A Mamiya M645. They were like the... No one... They were not cool. They were like... They were relics. No one cared about them. Now, it's a... a, If you want a a medium format camera, it's a desert out there. We'll get to that. But what do you got, John? Well, let's thank some people who are kind enough to donate to the film donation programs and help... Carry on the tradition of film photography mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for young minds. Yes. Uh, so we had our. We start off with Gary Miller and Ann Miller, and like I was going to say, or may have said, I would love to read these and you know uh, give some of the thoughts of people as they uh, you know wrote these letters and and were packing away their cameras with the their stack is great growing. intentions, but there's literally way too many to read. So okay. I'm just going to throw out some names there. Well, I'm taking. Don't throw them out. I'm taking Gary's. Right. Yeah, because there's a picture in there, monies. or as we say in here in Jersey, there's a picture in here and a little boost. Yeah, and a little boost. Okay, so we're we want to thank Lynn Gollins, Lynn R. Gollins. Yes, we want to thank Mike Williams, Gene Propes, Perry, Britta Kalkaz, Rebecca. I can't read her middle name, but her last name I believe is Cohen. Rebecca Cohen. We want to thank Dixon, our good friend, who sent some great Oh, my God. Cameras. Dixon is a regular contributor and send, sends boxes. He sent some really nice uh, Nikons that are going to be so special for some yep. young mind. Yep. Uh, we want to thank Robert Tabak. Oh, I didn't sell, tell everyone. My name is Michael Rosso. We know who you and are. And you're John Fideli. I am? Yep. Oh, I guess so. We want to thank uh, Phil, Mil- Phil Matarez. Thank you, John- Phil. Stanley C. Morris, we want to thank. John... Ar- our good friend Rosemary Hawkins, we want to thank. Rosemary. Yes. Uh, John, 
Yeah. About, John and I, just po- folks out there, John and I are holding down the fort during the yeah, pandemic. It's, it's empty. Leslie's not here. Mark's not here. Nobody's here. Nobody's here. Just Mike rolling away like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> in one room, um, ripping open boxes in the other. Uh, we want to thank <clears throat> Ted Bass, Ted oh, Brasky. Sorry. P- pictures. Yeah. Well, it's just from your... Oh, from our site. Ted Brasky. Thank you, Ted. This one doesn't have a name on it. But we want to thank you, anonymous donor. So many people that we can get to. Okay. As, as more come in, we'll thank them throughout the show. Okay, let's roll into our first segment where we're going to be talking about DSLR scanning. Just let you know that the awful audio segments, <laughs> the segments aren't awful. The audio's awful? I don't know. Right. I just want to let everyone know that the segments that we're rolling into here are also available on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube, Film Photography Podcast, and there's a number of videos on that channel. Please do subscribe. And there's also a ton of videos for you folks out there shooting home movies on film. Our first segment is myself, Josh Steele from Roberts, John Fideli, I think, maybe not. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember. It was a while ago. And Mr. Matt Mirage talking about DSLR scanning. Let's roll it. Film Photography Podcast. My name is Michael Rosso. We're here to talk about film photography, and I'm joined today by Mr. Matt Mirage. Hey, what's going on, guys? And our super special guest, Mr. Josh Steele. How's it going? How, how you doing, Josh? And Josh is from Roberts Distributors. And Josh is going to jump into the conversation. Well, what is the conversation? Well, the conversation today is DSLR mirrorless scanning. Hot. And flat, <laughs> traditional flatbed scanners. Not. The re- reason I'm turning this over to Matt, because Matt hits the ground running every day at Midwest Photo Exchange, where he's on the ground floor of what's going on in retail, the pulse. So <laughs> make believe I know nothing, Matt. What is this stuff? Sure. So, you know, we've been, we've been chatting about digitizing film for over a decade now on FPP. And like our answer up until now has always been like Epson V700, or, or Epson V850, you know, like that's it. That's all there is. And there's definitely more in between options. But anymore, if somebody is looking at a scanner and they've never done this before, you've got like your V500s, V600s, which are like your $200 scanner, and you kind of hit a ceiling with those pretty quick. And then it jumps all the way up to a V850. They actually don't make the V800 anymore. So you jump from 200 bucks to 1200 bucks instantly. There's no, no real middle ground. And if you're a photo enthusiast, you probably already have. If you're doing stuff like we're doing, where you're streaming or talking or chatting or Zooming, you probably have some sort of camera that has, has a pretty good chip on it and has a, like an interchangeable lens. If you are somebody that has a DSLR or mirrorless camera that is capable of manual, mo- like manual exposure modes or aperture mode, and you can adapt a macro lens, like an older one, or you can get a native macro lens on there, there's a good chance all you'll need is a light source, something to hold the film flat and something to hold the camera. And you can start digitizing that film using the camera you might already have. So that's kind of a segment that has really, really come up quickly. I I would say probably the last, I mean, people have been doing it for a while, but it's really become convenient with some of these newer products entering the market within the last two or three years. And it seems like Every time I open up my browser, there's another new holder or another new product that's out there that's 
that's trying to aid the process. And it's something I'm trying to get a little bit better with too, uh, both at work and at home, because the backlog like never ends, Mike. It's, it's only getting bigger. So taking a, a digital camera and adapting it to making scans a little bit quicker because we're at the point now where unless you're doing like a like a hundred percent everything analog for you know for that reason most people have some sort of hybrid workflow if you want to share your work or send it off to somebody who's going to print it with some digital means it makes sense to be able to archive that digitally now one thing that is is definitely out there and it's i wouldn't say it's at the entry side of the market but it's definitely one of the more convenient systems that's out there uh, Josh, you guys over at Roberts have a, a really, really cool product line that kind of appeals to someone that's trying to get this stuff done digitally. Yeah, yeah. I think your point, Matt, is exactly right. We're kind of at a at a weird crossroads for the scanning solution or a digital scanning solution in that the range of flatbed scanners is thin. Uh, for those who have always loved trying to figure out how to digitize things, there's always been the real old, you know, Nikon scanners or Paycons or, or, mm -hmm. or drum, you know, drum scanners that people used to be able to find at, at Goodwill for, for, you know, $60. And now if you can find them, they're $2,500. And you also need a, you know, Windows 95 computer to run them. And, and, but at the same time, the, the DSLR scanning idea has gotten simpler, less intimidating, and, and more commonplace as an idea to think about the workflow. So yeah, Negative Supply has, is a group of guys that have kind of come together to try to, to make it even less intimidating and uh, offer more premium solutions than some of the MacGyvering that some of us have been doing for years to try to make this a legitimate workflow so you know they other than the camera and the lens they offer a, a premium solution for every other piece of the puzzle whether that's the lights light source or you know what they call a riser what some of us call a copy stand um, and then also various negative holders uh, their 35 millimeter holder is also and their 120 solution both work to do full rolls quickly as opposed to some of the other solutions we've all used to hold negatives flat and, and take one or two scans at a time then slide your film around and readjust and refocus your lens and do all that painful thing so so they're really the the premium options that you know when you stop and look at what it would take to get into a v850 uh, versus a full solution there there's uh I think a lot more reason to think about uh, using SLRs or mirrorless cameras to, to hybrid your workflow. Yeah. And when we were at the PDN show last in 2019 and we w went to the Roberts booth, I know AJ was there kind of demoing some stuff. Oh, it was, was Saxon there too? Were both of them Both there? guys. Yep. Both yeah. of them were there. Yep. Yeah, what you guys were demoing, and I think what really I think would appeal most to someone that shoots a lot of 35. So that's the other thing too, it's how much you're shooting of it, but yeah, the holder will take a whole uncut roll. And this makes sense for someone that's, that's doing a lot of film. You don't have to cut and sleeve and then figure out how many you have to cut so it fits in the tray or whatever. You send the whole roll through, and even though you're advancing it manually, you can be done with a roll of film in a little over, little over a minute or two. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to where now, especially on my black and white, which 
you know, I all, I, I home develop all of it and it's gotten so my workflow has really changed from letting a pile of film, you know, not even get developed until I've got 20 or 30 rolls. And then, and then once I do develop it, just letting it hang there and dreading the scanning process to now <laughs> be, between options like lab box and then uh, negative supply, I'll shoot a roll, walk downstairs, uh, develop it, let it hang for 20, 30 minutes and scan it. And, and really in all that time, probably have, you know, 15 minutes into a roll. And, and if I've got a few rolls to do all at once, so much the better. Um, but the actual scanning portion for the negative supply, uh, 35 millimeter scanner, you can easily have, especially black and white film or slide film even, um, scanned and processed, you know, with your default settings in a minute, two minutes a roll. Um, it's, it's really that simple. People who are moving over to film or um, sharing their photography with some digital and film, mm -hmm. it makes sense because these folks already own the DSLR. Exactly. So yeah. that piece is already in place, and then it's finding the, the various components to do it. Um, I, I don't know if it's generational, because forever we were pushing the flatbeds of like, oh, you want to scan? Flatbed scanner. Like, yeah. It wasn't even a question. No. And it seems that, that, you know, in the last few years, there have been a lot of people uh, making innovations and actually inventing things and it's really awesome because also all these items are coming from independent sources they're not coming from major companies it's not mm -hmm. like yeah. kodak is introducing it or ilford's introducing it i mean or camera manufacturers are not introducing this yeah. they're coming from people who are actually shooting saying hey i have an idea this would be a great product so to see last year at the PDN of the, you know, the guys uh, demonstrating the negative supply uh, scanner. Uh, I, I don't want to take this for granted. I think it's really awesome. Yeah. I, I think this whole, this whole element of the market does give me even as much hope as seeing guys like you finding and, and keeping emulsions going because, you know, we've all, We've all seen a at least two looming technological, I wouldn't say crises maybe, but issues for film shooters, which is, you know, the one that's often on people's mind is, hey, these cameras we're using are really old, right? Oh, yes. And, and, and we still, uh, we're seeing, I think, a, a growing rallying cry to see how that solution can be fixed. And, I, and I'm more and more confident that it will be based off of what I'm seeing happening on the scanning side. And while even fewer of us think about the scanning problem, it's just as big a problem because uh, if you want digital scans, uh, don't take for granted that the stores and the labs that you have your film developed by are using hardware and software that is growing older by the day with no replacement in sight. And so to see companies like Negative Supply and even some of the software guys that are film shooters that are making 
the plugins to take your scan and convert it easily in, in Lightroom or in Photoshop. Uh, are, are, it's incredible to me. It's very encouraging. It's, it's grassroots. You know, these guys made their first 35 millimeter scanner through a Kickstarter campaign. They're still, you know, using Kickstarter to kind of gauge interest and, and get projects off the ground. And the reality is this industry is supporting them. And so we're, we're seeing premium solutions come to the market at affordable prices for an issue that really needed to be solved pretty quickly in this industry. So I, I think it's great to see it happen. I, I could imagine a negative supply being in an institution like a school because think of how many kids, I mean, they have their own DSLR. So yeah. if you have the setup there, you know, a student checks in, m makes the time available, goes in, does his or her scans, boom, as we say in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're even seeing people, you know, from our, our used photo pro side of things, uh, start to buy a, just a dedicated SLR to leave on the riser because you can do something as, as simple as a, as a Canon T3i or a yep. T4i. The levels are fine. Exactly. And, and get, you know, a, a cheap kit macro lens or buy something like a, you know, the seven artisans lenses or, or just, I mean, a, a manual macro lens because it's set it and forget it once you've got everything locked in place. And the same thing for institutions, you know, you can leave, you can leave the tether hanging out of the camera and just have somebody plug in their computer and go to town without even, you know, without thinking about it any more than you would plugging into a flatbed scanner or or trying to take your floppy disk to your to your old Nikon 9300 right. cool scan or something since last year when i saw you guys demoing it what has been the, the retail reaction to the product what what what's the pulse on the product from a retailer perspective yeah it's been it's been interesting to see uh, who gets it and and who we still need to be kind of uh, evangelizing to on on these kinds of new products, I kind of fully expected some of the the shops around the country that are very focused on new, younger, engaged analog shooters to be the first to really get why this matters, and that's been true. Um, some of these some some shops that uh, aren't your standard. Uh, broad-based photo specialty retailer, but are instead only focused on on film, really get why this product matters. But the other thing that I've seen that I really wasn't expecting as much are the the retailers that have your professional uh, job-based photographers that have been at this for 30, 40 years who are looking for the best possible quality and efficiency to a digitizing workflow who are seeing, oh, this is, uh, you know, from the 35 millimeter to the 120 to the large format to the really nice light panels, this is the solution that's basically future-proofed for how I can get extremely high resolution scans that I can then, you know, tinker around with for the rest of my life. So there's there's a much um, greater audience from those um, 
professional shooters that have shot mostly digital now for the past 10 years, but did shoot analog for 20, 25 plus years who really want to make sure they've got the best solution for that. And that's been fun to see. It's, it's a, it's a part of the, um, analog industry that I don't think about as much naturally because they, they've in some ways left film behind, even though they think about it with, with sentimental thoughts, they're, they're all looking at, you know, shooting the next Olympics or, or that big safari or whatever, whatever these guys are doing. Um, but when you get to, to look at their old scans with them and, and think about how to improve that process and make them aware of, of plugins and workflow and hardware solutions like negative supply, it, it kind of, it kind of brings a twinkle back to their eye and go, and, and even some of them, I don't know why I did stop shooting this way. If it's this easy to get this kind of, this kind of result in the end. So it's, it's been right. a fun, a fun thing to be a part of. It would be very interesting if this type of scanning actually revitalizes film photography from the perspective of archiving. When I say that, I mean that when you're shooting your films and we've been talking about this on the FPP for 10 years of you're shooting something that you own. And when I say you own it, I mean, you have that negative and that negative is going to survive yeah. for could, could be 80, 90 years, your entire life. And then some, whereas there's still the big file management hard drive crash, Yep. yep. you know, that, you know, you're still with your negatives, you still have your negatives. And, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm curious if, if shooters, people who were shooting film are thinking of actually re-embracing film and if new shooters, digital shooters are saying, Hey, I want this archival medium, my negatives. And wow, look at this, the, the great way we could scan, you know, using a DSLR. And also the other thing I'm thinking about is that from what I'm hearing from both you guys is that, you know, Something like the negative supplies, Josh, you're telling me that the quality is as good as a Epson V800 or 850? Yeah, I mean, what, what you're able to do with, again, like we said, even your average Rebel, when you think about, I, I know we, we, we've talked megapixels to death in, in, the, <laughs> in the world of digital photography. Um, but when you can shoot a you know a 35 millimeter or a 120 negative in uh, raw format, you know to to bring into Lightroom and use a macro lens, you're talking about you're 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 grabbing everything you know from that negative. Yeah, um, I mean, and and you're not worrying about the other static that you are bringing in which is always you know between dust and and age and um software updates and all those kinds of issues that you're dealing with with flatbeds um yeah there's there's a lot of there's a even though the intimidation factor is what seems high on the front end for dslr scanning I, the actual once you get just the bare essentials of what you really need to make this happen. There's no, there's no upkeep or maintenance or, or you just go, you know, and for right. those of us that have, have been working in Lightroom for years anyway, it, it, 
feels like a very, very natural workflow. Right. Um, I, I think that's maybe the big, maybe the big difference, um, even bigger than the hardware is, is the software side of things. What happens when that image is brought into your computer? And for most of us, we were just happy to use um, whatever uh, magical process Epson had for us with a flatbed. I find an incredible amount of enjoyment in first seeing that image as a negative and then turning it into what I, what I expected it to be. Right. That's pretty awesome. And I see this catching on. Do you see either one, either Matt or Josh, um, there are a handful of indies producing these products. Do you see, is there going to be like a, a market grab? Is, is a bigger company going to wake up and say, oh my God, there's a product here. We, like what, is there going to be, you know, a scanning war <laughs> of products? What's going to happen? I don't, I don't know. That's a good question, Mike. I, I do know that like Nikon's aware of it because yeah. when they had the D850 come out, they, they actually put some stuff into the, the firmware of the D850. I don't know if they put it into the mirrorless ones or not, but in the D850, you can actually buy a scanning adapter for some of their macro lenses and it just goes right on the front and there's a specific spacer for it. It's kind of like their own solution, but it's really kind of the same plastic holder that you would find on like an Epson scanner, but it attaches right to their macro lenses. But the camera, when put into the right mode, it's JPEG only, unfortunately, but it will invert color negative and black and white negative into a positive in camera. So if you have one of those and you have some sort of thing like the negative supplier, you're doing your own DSLR scanning. I think manufacturers are going to become more aware of it. I don't know that they're going to develop products as much as they might develop plugins or firmware updates that can support that. I think that might be the direction it goes. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And, and the Nikon example is exactly what I thought of. My, my expectation would be that probably our camera manufacturers, uh, I'm thinking especially Nikon and Panasonic come to my mind, but I, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there, are going to be aware that people are using this device for this purpose and make it easier to modify your settings to fit that purpose. Not that it's hard for anyone right now to use them for that, but it would be, it'd be great to, you know, pop on your macro lens and, and say, I want this in digital scan mode and, and see what uh, a Nikon or a Sony or a Panasonic could do with that. As far as actual dedicated hardware, you know, I, I doubt that, I doubt that the industry is, is there, but I, I do think for many of these guys with their software potentials, it'd be an easy and, uh, and worthwhile uh, addition for them to make over time. Do you see, like, you know, uh, Midwest Photo, places like Unique Photo, various, um, you know, bigger camera stores starting to offer classes of how to use these devices? Uh, yeah, actually. So scanning is, is a series of classes I've got coming up for the winter because that's when we all kind of look at our backlog and go, uh-oh, what do I do now? So usually it's, it's not forced lockdown. There's always winter that kind of locks us down, too, that's... Uh, we have to take a look and see, oh, should I do this? So I have some hybrid type classes. They're going to be in person, limited number of seats in person, as well as broadcast online where people can learn how to manage their workflow. We'll talk about, I have one class where it's scanning like prints and negatives. So just preserving your memories. And then we'll also have one with 
some of those simple like Elgato video capture devices where you kind of have to sit there and watch your, your video footage roll through either from your high eight tapes or yep. we also have uh, one of those reel to reel ones as well for like the eight mil, but it's, it's important to be able to do that. So there's also like, I think what's cool about this is it doesn't just hit the enthusiasts. Like enthusiasts are going to drive it for sure. But for every one of us enthusiasts, there's someone that's doing it in a practical sense. They already have the family camera, right? Maybe it is a rebel T5 or something, but now they also are the family historian because they have the family camera. So they're now they're going to be digitizing all the old slides and prints. So it makes sense to be able to offer a, a solution that has as little friction as possible, but can get you some good, some good quality. And from like a services standpoint, well, at Midwest Photo, we're already, we're already getting ready to not, I wouldn't say convert everything over to the DSLR and mirrorless, but we are now offering mirrorless scans with our roll film because we have a, a solution with the, uh, with an old copy stand. Like we looked in the back when we were doing inventory and there was this awesome copy stand that we were going to throw out oh. to the curb. Yep. And it's perfect. We already, and we already sell LED light tables. So we just set kind of, and it's a perfect demo. People are like, wow, how can I do that? Well, here's the macro lens. Here's the seven artisans macro lens. Here's the Sony A7R for high resolution. Like it's, it's just as much a, a selling tool as it is a, yeah, here's a selling tool, a teaching tool. And also we're just providing better services with it. So uh, Mike, on the ace like the one that we're using so we are definitely going high end with it but we have an a7r4 at work that we have hooked up to it that's a 60 megapixel full frame chip even a really bad scan of some 35 millimeter i did some some uh dracula 35 scanned with that it's it shouldn't be possible but you can like see the grain pretty sharp the 60 megapixel scan single capture of 35 you cap out at like 20 some megapixels on an epson and it takes all day for it right if you hit the highest resolution if it doesn't kick you out eventually walk away got, yeah you got to come Don't back do two the lawn, hours later do the lawn whatever you need to do exactly and go this to is work like, come back yeah. it's still going <laughs> exactly and hope to god the cat didn't jump on it or something when you were right. going yeah so like this is a Oh, that's another thing. Like your, your scanner has to like hold perfectly still. It can get yeah. hurt in transport. There's so many things that can go wrong and we don't know about them until it happens with this camera setup. There's more moving parts, but once they're in place, it's very, it's very solid compared to like how easy it is to bust up a scanner. So there's a lot of advantages there and the, the resolution you can get out of it, especially and if you want to do a raw file with it, great. You've got even more you can work with. So I would say, it's almost, it's almost too much. Like you don't want to deliver someone that just wants like, if they're used to lab scans that are like four to six megapixel, you're not going to give them a, you know, a 200 gigabyte TIFF or whatever of, <laughs> of their, of their picture, but like giving them something that looks higher quality, that's going to keep, you know, it's going to keep your customer base for it too. They're like, wow, this is awesome. This came from that slide. So it's just, it's just better service too. I'd agree with that. I mean, in some ways, some of these scans are, they're so unexpectedly good when I got, when I got into this part of the workflow that it's, it's like seeing 1080p for the first time, you know, yep. 10 years ago, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. That's, I thought I was seeing, you know, that football game before and now I'm seeing the football game and, and, and the same is really true for what you can do now with, with a DSLR workflow. It, it's, it's just night and day different. And I expect many, many retailers and labs 
to do exactly what Midwest is doing over time to offer, you know, standard scan, forget it, you know, set it and forget it type options and also high res scanning options for those that, that, you know, whether they're professional or just real enthusiasts want to be able to have that kind of resolution to work with down the road. And, and, and PSA for, for young enthusiasts, because when, when Phil from the dark room told me this a couple of years ago, I was horrified. Um, you know, they, they, they often get requests to save on return shipping by not getting their negatives back. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, to the FPP <laughs> audience. None of this is possible if you do not have a negative. Uh, you know, these, and even as we talk about digitizing, it's never with the goal of chucking my binders. Uh, always keep your negatives. Um, the, the beauty of an easy digital workflow is that they're always there to digitize but I'm still never counting on my digital image. I mean, negatives are negatives. Don't ever let them go. Uh, I forgot about that. I, you know, it doesn't even come in my day to day that the thought that there are out people out there spending their hard earned cash shooting film and they're using a lab that's not returning their negatives. Like it doesn't even, I forget it exists. Yeah. And if I didn't make that clear, the dark room is so opposed to that idea. There's just, there's just no, there's no part of their mind that says, no, we would never do that. You're getting your negative back whether you yeah. want it or not. The thing that's just shocking to me is that someone would say, I don't want it. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. And, yeah. um, I, and, and I, I understand, listen, I understand not everyone is going to print their images. Although I would say print your images. Uh, but to, to get rid of the negative because you've got the picture on Instagram is to get rid of the actual picture. So don't, don't ever get rid of your negatives. Um, no matter where you think uh, that end project was supposed to go, and even if you got it there, the, the negative is the image. Yep. Any uh, last thoughts on the topic of DSLR and flatbed scanning? I just can't wait to see where it where it goes from here. It's I think it's only going to get more convenient. Uh, I think there's going to be some cool phone solutions that come out too with like this new crazy iPhone 12 stuff. The thing's shooting raw now. Like we are, the tools are only getting smaller, cheaper, more powerful. And as more people jump into this space and say, "Oh, you know, it's it's cool when you come from a different a uh, different discipline, you can look at something with a fresh set of eyes and say, "Oh, well, why don't you just do it like this?" And guys like us that have been doing the same thing forever, we, we can't see it because we've never thought of it that way. So it's really, this is another important reason to get new people into film photography is so we can get these new ideas kind of sloshing around with all these old ideas. Yeah, I, I, to jump on to what Matt said, I think we're, we're just now, you know, at the point where the, the cost to value and the simplicity factors make this the time to really, I, I think maybe even I'd go so far as to say for most people to look at SLR scanning as the best way to digitize your negatives. But I also think we're at the very front end of what's going to make this uh, 
really kind of the mainstream solution going forward in terms of what I've seen guys working on for for automating, you know, for for starting a, a 35 millimeter roll and then walking away well well a um, you know 3d printed uh belt drive solution turns a negative supplier or or whatever it might be you know there's there's all kinds of guys working on that and i think all of that will be mainstream well as much as film is mainstream in in the coming months and years and it's a pretty cool time to just jump on board and 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 start to work this way terrific folks out there watching and or listening can leave comments below if you're watching this on YouTube or drop us a line podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. I'd be happy to forward your email to these fine folks sitting in with us. And uh, thanks guys. This is a great topic and I'm sure that we will revisit it soon. Always love talking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this, is, this is cool to talk about because it's, yeah, it's only getting better and we're going to learn things too with everybody at home as they're, they're trying this out. So share your results. Great. drop off your film, ask for the new Kodak Picture CD. It's the fast and easy way to email your pictures to everyone who needs to see them. Share the moment, share life. Hey, we're back. What do you oh, got? Hey, Mike, I got some uh, people to thank. Okay. Uh, Henny didn't leave his last name, but thank you, Henny. We want to thank Joseph... Zelzik. Somebody named Joe. Joe uh, from Capital Health gave us a lot of nice stuff. I guess he was a corporate guy and they got rid of their stuff. Oh, okay. So he donated a lot of stuff from the corporate area. Thank hey, you, you so know, much. Hot Topic sent us a bunch of stuff. I want to thank Hot Topic. No kidding. What'd they send? A box. is a box. Little digital cameras. Oh. And we're, we are collecting digital cameras here because occasionally I get an email from a, a teacher who's like, hey, I, I'm running a middle school photography program and do you have any digital cameras? So mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to them yet. Like we see them right on the side of the box. Too Deej, much to get used to it, right? And then to go move it. Right now. So, but I mean, there's going to come a day. Well, by the time we get to those, they'll be vintage. <laughs> That's a nice card in your hand. Yeah, this is nice. I just want to read this real quick. It says one camera from my father who encouraged my career in photography and the other from my early years college in photography from Danielle Oster. See? Well. Father, two different generations donating to the FPP. Thank you so much. Very much appreciated. We have uh, Laura C. Hart. We appreciate you very much and your donation. Sally J. Drybrock, who donated two cases of items. Thank you very much. A lot of people, I guess, find these on the inter- interwebs mm-hmm. and are not uh, listeners to the show. Um, but if you are a listener to the show, what show? We're thanking you. John Greenwood from Houston, Texas. Thank you so much for your donation. Tom Zoss. I know Tom. Tom Zoss. Yeah, his pitch is on here, too. I'll take that. I've corresponded with him on the webs. Great. Thank you so much, Tom. We appreciate your donation and the time. And you know what? It costs money to ship these things to the FPP, like, you know, in between $10 and $20, $30. Like a a nice meal. So people are not only donating their, their... cameras but a lot of money in shipping and it's very appreciated you should see the box that we got from chris haynes there were 50 items in here wow a gossin luna pro spot meter was in there mike holy smokes tons of stuff thank you very much chris haynes from carmel california 
I could. I'm telling you, we could do a whole show just thanking people. Monica Siafa, thank you very much. Well, let's let's do our next segment. Okay, let's do it. Best value. SLR 35 millimeter camera. Mm. That, 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 some people out there listening are going to be like, God, they're going to just go, yes! Yeah. Like someone's going to like, if they're in their house listening on earbuds, you know, their loved ones are going to be like, what? Is there a football game on? Mm. Yes! Others are going to be like, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. And, jo- and joining us is Mr. Trev Lee from thedarkroom.com, Instagram at thedarkroomlab. Hi, Trev. How's it going? Canon EOS line of 35 millimeter <laughs> SLR cameras. I just love. I just. You I love just. Them. I love them. I own the the uh, the pancake, the 40 millimeter pancake lens. I have mm-hmm. a bunch of zooms. I have a bunch of prime lenses because I really do think it's a great easy camera, and especially a great camera for people to make a transition from digital to oh, film. Yeah. So they're no different almost in function if you shoot digital, yeah. What's the pulse on Canon EOS in the Midwest, Matt? You know what, Mike? I, I am an EOS evangelist. I've been shooting Canon for like twelve years and it's such a hard sell because everybody wants that FM2. Everybody oh. wants the K1000. They like go right they, for the top shelf. Yes, they want it. They just, they don't even care like if it works the same. A lot of times mm. they barely care if the meter works in some of these other cameras. They just want that look. They want to be seen with yeah. that really cool Chrome camera. And I'm like, look, you already shoot a <laughs> Canon digital. Spend 50 bucks. Get this little EOS, you know, Rebel 2000. It's great. You already have good lenses. You're not starting from square one. You know how to use Mm -hmm. it. Like it's such an, in my mind, it's such an easy transition and low risk, but you know, when you want to be seen with a cool camera, it's definitely like the, it's, it's not the the prettiest uh, girl on the shelf, you know? They're, they're not expensive. No, no, they're not. Even their best one. I mean, even, well, here's, before I say this, you don't need the best one and I can, give a story why even the one v which is like insane camera top top um, yeah and like i mean that shot more frames per second than digital did until (laughs) i think 2012 (laughs) and it's advancing film which is crazy um so that camera's just insane but the crazy thing is is like that camera's not that expensive compared to all of its what its competitors are and it's better than almost any camera um technically but it's not i mean this i mean the rebel in this camera will take the same exact photo it will if you if you know how to meter with your camera and have the same lens it's it's just that's the cool thing about these cameras is that they're pretty much like a lot of people don't get that when they're first getting in that it's not really the body it's more about the metering the lens and the film that you put into it. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of these lenses. And you're right, Matt, they're not the most attractive looking cameras. Like if I have, um, like everyone's going to be like, Oh, this one's so much prettier. Yep. But the cool thing about this camera and the rebel, the reason why I would say the rebel is such an awesome camera is because it costs like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. If I drop it and it breaks, I just buy, which this happened once to me with any of any camera you just buy a new one it's like the best adventure everyday camera and it has a flash it's like a point and shoot basically yep with manual control matt does anyone come in and ask for a canon eos no but if <laughs> if i if i can keep 
keep them talking long enough and just really just show them like, look, I know you don't want to spend $200 on a film camera, but you, you want to take some cool film pictures. Here's a nifty fifth. I'll even sell them a nifty 50 brand new sometimes with the camera. And it's still less than getting that classic camera, which may or may not be approaching that age where, oh, we're not so sure it's going to work anymore. This is going to work. You're just going to want to take that cool film shot, spend the good money on extra film, buy a few extra batteries and just have fun. So I'm a, I'm a huge evangelist of the EOS right. line. I hope your boss doesn't hear this, Matt, that you're trying to sell the low models. Oh, I mean, no, the, don't Matt. worry. They're, I'm selling <laughs> them You just film. lost 200 bucks. What are you doing? <laughs> well, they're the, I, I feel like the EOS is also a good gateway into like, gateway into film like because it builds confidence so like if someone starts out with the eos mm, good point one of those eventually they do start seeing if like a fm2 or different things that cost more and they're like oh i want something that looks the part even though like quality wise this outperforms and for me personally on a regular basis anything i ever do with fm2 and I mean, it's just hard to beat, especially with like a fast move, like my daughter, who's two, you know, like autofocus, a good, like the flash is actually really good. And I actually do all of my paid. If I do paid work, it's with this camera, mm. um, nothing else. Like I just did a whole thing for a magazine. It's all double exposures and camera on film. And it was all shot with this. Nice. Cool. That's a meaty looking camera. Which model is that? That's the the Elan Seven, okay, yeah, which is of kind of like I have it. Yeah, that camera. I think that the Elan Seven's the all around best EOS camera for price to specs. Right, it's like it's not quite. The, it's not the one V. It's not as durable as rugged. It's it's but it's better than the. It's a little more rugged than Rebel, uh, but it's also bigger. Right, um, the Rebel is a lot smaller. But it's also, it's way smaller than a 1V. The 1V is like a, I mean, that's a weapon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The Canon Rebel 2000. When circumstances change, just turn the dial and you'll turn a snapshot into a photograph. Dog! What the... So now you know how to stay in control. Do you mind? Thank you. The Rebel 2000 from Canon. Hey, we're back. And you know, I think Trev gets some really good results. Yes, he does. With his um, EOS. Yeah, EIOS, as I like to say. Yeah, I was thrilled. I mean, that's how I said, oh my God, we have to do a segment when I saw him posting all of his, you know, EOS, and I think the darkroom.com yeah. gave away an EOS. And and I got to say, Trev and whoever helps him out with the uh, Instagram page, they do such a great job for the darkroom. Love getting their posts. Yep. They do film comparisons, camera comparisons, camera and film comparisons. Yep. Very in-depth posts. Love, love to see them in my stream. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to thank some people, Mike? Yes. David Harris. Okay. From Pembroke. Pines, Thank Florida. You Thank very you very much, David. Very, very much. These are people who sent cameras or goods to us. Cameras or goods, film. You should see the amount oh, of Oh, by the film. way. Holy shit. I'm sitting here with uh, yeah. Har- Haribo Fruit Mania. <laughs> These are like gummies. Yeah. These came in a film scan order. So oh. the FPP, we sell movie film, and then 
we also sell packages where you can send your film back and we develop, scan, and send you your film back. So someone sent their film to be developed and scanned and sent me these packages of gummies. That's great. And I have to tell you, yeah. just like you, you sat like for days in the school donation program. Days. Every, I mean, when you're, when you're doing for hours at a time. Yeah. You open a box. When you open a box. Get a little treat. And you get a little treat. Super special. When I saw this, I was like, whoa! <laughs> and they were so juicy and delicious. Yeah. And none of my fillings fell out. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, lucky you. I, didn't, I was not lucky to, to do that, but Wanda Hernandez, thank you very much for your very uh, generous donation. And if I mention people twice, it's only because they've donated twice. Mm-hmm. They've left letters in several boxes that they put. Rick Booth from Austin, Texas. Very hip place right now. Austin, Texas. Carol. Oh, I can't read your name, Carol. Sorry. Carol Kreenkirk. Carol Kincaid, maybe? I don't know. Carol, thank you. You know who you are if you're listening. So, Anonymous, thank you. And a lot of people don't put in anything stuff. I'm just reading letters uh, that were in there. Brian Vaughn. Brian, thank you very much for your very generous offer. He, uh, 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 donation. Bullocks K2, he donated in there. Oh, yes. Uh, Vincent Ravenez, thank you very much. Um, he says, please accept the beloved equipment of a deceased war... This really got to me. Of a deceased World War II disabled submarine. The body may be, not be of use to you, but the lens and meters may be. Best wishes. All the way from World War II. Wow, that's fantastic. A little history there. It's, it's special. We only have a couple left here. Uh, Mark Altizer, thank you very much for your donation, Mark. Bert Liang. Oh, Bert. L-I-A-N-G, Liang. Uh, I Bert met Lang. Bert in California at the 2015 event, and Bert is very, very generous to the FPP in yeah. sending us packages. Great Thank guy. you very much. Thank you very I much. I mean, I'm mentioning him specifically because when you see the same names over and over, that means we're always in their heart. Yes. Very part of the family. Yes. Uh, and the last one I have here is from Jennifer Montag. So thank you, one and all. Mm-hmm. Past, present, and future donation. We have one last segment. Let's yeah. talk about it. The medium format desert. Yeah. Let's see what that's all about. Yeah, I'm curious. Mm. Michael Rosso here with John Fideli. Hello. Matt Mirage. Hey. Trev Lee from thedarkroom.com. This is Matt's topic. Medium format. <laughs> hot. H-O-T. Hot. Hot. Too hot. And, but it wasn't too hot just a little while ago, Matt. No, it was not. No, and, it, and cameras like the RB67, were, oh, man. weren't they like not hot a while ago? Yeah, they were shelf queens for the longest time. So what and happened? Now, Take it away, Matt. Would you know it? The pandemic <laughs> has, uh, has spiked film photography across the board, but medium format especially. If I look at the shelves, now, this is where my boss will get angry, but the shelves that we can't keep medium format on the shelves, any of it, even the stuff that was like, People are like, I don't know, a Bronica? And then like, no, it's all gone now. Like there's, we can't keep anything on the shelf. Weird stuff, high-end stuff, it's all going. And the prices have never been like kind of crazier than, than we've seen them now. So it's, it, it's definitely a hard time to get into medium format. But if you've been in it for a while, you're probably like, whoa, maybe I should move a camera. What sparked the interest? Boredom. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think, I think that's it, yeah. 
I was going to say, I kind of view medium format as a little, it's like, I mean, it's a slower pace. A lot of people think about it a little bit more and they like, it slows them down. If you're indoors, you're like putting on a tripod and thinking about it more, maybe compared to 35 millimeter, they might be, they're like out and about doing things. So since people have been in more and a little more bored, that might be why it's been so popular. Yeah. Cause medium format is not really grab and go. You, know, you no. grab your 35 and run out the door, but you go somewhere with a medium format camera. What about, uh, Matt, TLR, like the Yashica A and the, you know, the Yashica Matt, are those as popular? It really is, Mike. It's all, all medium format across the board. And maybe it's, uh, I'm looking too much inside the, the bubble of, you know, the Midwest, uh, you know, region and retail. But I, I talk to other retailers whenever I get a chance to and say, hey, how are you guys doing with cameras? And it seems that way across the board. Like if they're selling them at, you know, the, the fair market price or whatever, it's, uh, they're, they're running out of stock. And it's cool to see that there's just genuinely this many people into it. And what I thought was crazy for the longest time is that, oh, you know, maybe they're just getting it because it, it looks cool. Kind of like we were talking about with like the different 35s. It's a cosmetic thing, but now it's not even a cosmetic thing. We're seeing folks coming in asking about RBs. Like, oh man, you don't have RBs. And I'm like, you should have been here six months ago. I had so many RBs. Yep. And yeah, the, now it's just everybody's into it. And it's so cool. The Probably the average medium format customer, Mike, is like 21 years old. It's just, it's cool to see a new gen rolling into it and experiencing film, new set of eyes, and they have different goals in mind too. So it's either to, you know, recreate some cool inspirational shots that they saw these, these folks out in California post because they, they have only the coolest content and they're showing you prints. So I've, I've people asking me about, Hey, can I make prints like I saw on the Darkroom's Instagram? So it, I mean, it's cool. What, what's the pulse on plastic Holga? Do you guys carry those? Uh, we do. We have uh, Holgas and uh, we, we actually, the only medium format we might have on the shelf right now is a Diana. So uh, for Holgas, that's still a, a solid one for educators. So okay. a lot of educators are sick of having a higher end camera, unless it's like a, like a part of a rentals cage, you know, where they'll maintain like yep. one or two high end cameras. The, the schools that used to have like a whole stable of cameras, they're sick of replacing parts and, you know, running out of, uh, repair for some of them. So many have switched over to, as part of the class here, they would usually have the Holga assignment, but now it's like a Holga. Here's, here's the Holga for the semester and we'll do a few projects running on and off of it. And I think it's a good idea. They're pretty inexpensive and they're really going to want to save the money for is film and paper and all the stuff they're going to need anyway. Right. And they still cost half a hunch. Uh, yeah, I think so. They're like 40, yeah, 40, 50 bucks. And okay. it's like a little bit more if you want the fancy kit with the flash and the filters and stuff. Right. Okay. That's you still that. got debonairs, Mike? Yes. FPP debonair. Ooh. Still, still, still 20 bucks. <laughs> what a bargain. <laughs> they sell, I mean, they, they trickle yeah. out of here and we don't do a lot of promotions on them. So, you know, they're fun. People find them in the shop and they're probably like, Oh snap, 20 bucks. Yep. Yeah, so why not? I, I still say it's a great gateway to 120. I mean, you know, no investment. It is. And you for could, me, it was. You could learn about, you know, 120 roll film, how to use it. So, uh, Matt, you guys have any 620 film cameras sitting on the shelf? No, not like seriously, Mike. It goes right from crazy, like some dusty old 35s 
Um, but even those, we're, we're moving just a lot of it. And there's like the Diana, and then we move right up to like, there's like a Graflex after that. So all the medium right. format, it's, uh, that's why I named the topic medium format desert, because oh. it like, <laughs> that's what it's felt like. And, right. you know, I was trying to, I, I, even the, the younger kids are like, hey, how'd you find out about us? Or, hey, uh, you know, how long have you been shooting film? And a lot of them, it's like, oh, well, I saw you were a camera shop. And, and then I'll, I'll usually ask like, oh, well, who do you follow on YouTube? You know, like who's who's driving all these folks. And it's just a combination of things. And I think it's people have more time to commit to, Oh, you know what? How did they get that picture? And then they're doing some research, watching some cool videos. And, and then that's, that's what kind of pushes them in. Right. And Trev, you have a 620 camera. Yeah, I actually just grabbed it. I got, I have this guy right here. It's a, uh, it's the ensign ensign. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, reflex, Reflex uh, 1620, uh, so it can do 120 as well. Okay, mm, nice. But um, this was actually, I was in Scotland six years ago, and I and that was before I shot a lot of film. Like, I'd shot film, but it wasn't, like, my main thing at the time. And um, some guy in Edinburgh gave me this. Oh, how about oh. that? Please? So I, for the longest time, um, I just shot 120 in it or would shoot – 35 with like the adapters right but then once you sent me that 620 i've shot that in this oh very cool because it fits a lot better the 120 is kind of a jam and matt they come in and get blown out or you don't see 620s at all on the shelf uh we don't usually see 620s on the shelf a lot of probably the most 620 i mean any no matter what happens if it's 620 i'm like hey filmphotographystore.com find your favorite emulsions they're already there when they walk in it's usually somebody has like their dad's folder or grandpa's folder that went to the war and and they just want to learn how to use it and i usually you know uh get them started show them the shutter and everything but what's cool is i i think i've like the last five 620s i've seen they all work like a lot of them just still work. They're just mechanical, maybe a little bit dusty, but it, you're right. going to get a cool picture out of it. And many people are intrigued that one, that it still works. They always think it's not going to work, but then they're like, Oh, well, is it going to give me that vintage look? And I'm like, that's the lens. Absolutely. Here's some saturated film. Here's yep. your old lens. Don't clean it up. It's going to look cool. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's great. And for folks, uh, listening or watching uh, 620 film and 120 film size is exactly the same. The difference is the spool and it was mm-hmm. just a, a classic Kodak ploy to, <laughs> as everyone knows, I love Kodak to monopolize mm-hmm. the market uh, and produce a line of cameras that only took their film. So you walk into a store and they only, they're the only people that had 620 film. So you'd buy Kodak film for your Kodak 620 camera. And other other manufacturers made 620 cameras as well. The greatest ones are the one that Trev has where you could flip a button and you could use 120 film or 620 film. That's really kind of mm. cool. So, And uh, we'll save 220 for another top time, but 220 is the same as 120 except there's more film on the spool and it has no backing paper. Um, any experience at all, Trev, with, with 220? And I know, John, you had some experience with 220. Yeah. Mom, I've only yeah, shot 220 a couple back. times. Yeah. And John, you have yeah. what? Uh, you have Mamiya 645. Mamma Mia. Could, you, had, yes. you, had a, you had a 220 back for it. I had 220 backs and I never had the film. I never shot with it, but you were kind enough to give me some. Right. Yeah, it's great. Love it. Yeah, I've only shot it. Like the Pentax 6.7 can do both. And I, I think I've only done it 
twice with that camera and it was like expired portrait. Right. What, uh, Matt, what we, have we missed anything on the medium format desert? No. Well, I, I mean, maybe just some like, some like tips for folks that if you're getting into film and you're looking at the market and you're going like, Oh my gosh, what do I, what do I get? Everything seems like kind of crazy. Take, you know, take a step back. If you can take a look at some of the, maybe some of like the film shooter groups where people are buy, sell trading, kind of get a, get a feel for where things are at. And if you feel like you're being pressed to like spend a lot more money than you want to on a camera, consider something like the debonair, like a Holga to kind of get your feet wet because it's, you're going to start out and you're going to make, you know, beginner mistakes with it. You might as well do it with something like lower risk, have fun, shoot some different films. But then once you're ready to make that call, take another, like reassess, look at where the prices are going, where they're ending on like the Bay and stuff. I, I don't recommend eBay for a lot of reasons just because of like used and, but if that's the only route to go, you know, you're going to look for things like light leaks and check the shutter, that sort of thing. Um, I'm always a big proponent of spending a little bit more on a modular system camera. I got my, my old trusty Hasselblad, dug her out of the, uh, I mean, I'm in the, the shed, so I got, uh, I got the Hasselblad out here. But, you know, make sure everything works. If you go to a dealer, ask them to show you how it works. A lot of time we're, we're happy to show you all, around all the different cameras. And um, don't walk away with just like the camera. Usually you, you want to get set up get a couple of backs for it. If it's something like a Mamiya or a Hasselblad that takes different backs and usually just ask about, Hey, do you have any other lenses for it? Cause it can be harder and harder to track down some of those lenses. And a lot of time a reseller is going to have one camera and multiple lenses. They're probably going to make you a deal. Right. Yeah. True. Uh, folks out there, you have questions, a podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. You can, <laughs> or you can leave comments down below and uh of course uh trev is on instagram uh at the darkroomlab.com uh always kudos to you trev that's a phenomenal instagram page yeah i love it one of the best thanks yeah yeah we're always trying to put out stuff that's like we i the main goal is just to put anything we put out that there's some like type of information that is usable it's not just about like a cool looking camera or worth stopping in my stream yeah. a lot of things i'm like yeah dark room you must get i mean i manage the fpp instagram and that's a bit of a handful you must get an incredible amount of messages like we do like yeah. like where's my film <laughs> oh man oh man we i mean the dark a lot goes on behind the like what you see in the dark room obviously like with customer service and like the order and all of that. So yeah, especially with us working more remotely, um, like, but yeah, there's so many, like I, I'll just get messages where people say film question mark. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, did you send us film? Do we develop film? Yes. If you sent it with your order number, where'd you oh. like, when'd you send it? Um, but yeah, we, we do get a lot of questions. Uh, but the cool thing, my favorite are people that are just getting into it. Like what we're talking about now, like what to buy, Right. what lenses to put on it on. Mm. And then like, also I think the thing that I'm enjoying most is putting people at ease with what they already have. Like a lot of people, when we talked about this, like they could have a Canon rebel and they're like, I want to get this. I want to get that. I'm like, how about instead of buying that camera, you just buy a good lens that you're going to like, like they're shooting with the Elan seven and they have the kit lens, which is like a 35 to 80. Yep. 
slow lens yeah. and like just buy the 40 millimeter pancake buy the nifty 50 it's a little bit faster um you can shoot in low light it's gonna be sharper you're gonna mm -hmm. i prefer a prime with film in general because it makes you think and your zoom is your feet um so like you move in and out and like kind of frame better and you're kind of and it's just putting people at ease with what they have and letting people know that they don't need to buy the most expensive cameras. Right. It's, and it's, if they, Oh, go. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it's so true. It's like you have your camera and you, you like, you have that, you know, it's, it's a great, it's an okay lens, but you know, the stock shitty, you know, <laughs> you know, 28 to, to 90 or 35 to 80, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you're getting probably people like, Oh, I need to get a different camera. Yeah. No, just get that 85 portrait lens. Get that 50 f 1.4 and you'll be amazed. Mm -hmm. that's, that's and a, we're in that digital era where people think it's all the camera because in the digital yep. era, a lot of it mm -hmm. is some ways because like there's so much changing to a digital sensor, but you don't, that's the beauty of film. You, makes it's like the camera. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrific. Plus the film uh, contrasts that you do or camera contrasts or the questions, what film was this shot on? Right. Those are always fun. A, a whole other topic, by the way, is, you know, uh, I think I was talking to Matt with this on the phone the other day of digital shooters shooting film. I mean, just what you're shooting is so, you know, the different film stocks you can use. But what about, are there a lot of shooters who are changing ISO on the same role? Oh, you mean like, like out of confusion? <laughs> yes. Or yeah yeah i mean that's and there's just and we talked about this in the past there's all of the confusion with like what's the actual box speed or how oh. you film and all that stuff and that's something we've been working on too because we have to be careful with we don't talk about pushing film as much and when we talk about it i'm saying it's like an end result like or like the last like the last resort type thing like if you're shooting in low light what i am now maybe you want to push it because you need that if you don't have a tripod or a flash or whatever but encouraging people to shoot at box speed box speed and just get to oh. know their camera get to know the film so and get to know to how hear. because like we t i i've talked about this the only time i recommend underrating film and getting developed normally is if you're shooting with say my Lomo LCA 120, which is a auto aperture priority camera. So there's, or Olympus XA, um, where there's no exposure compensation. Sometimes mm -hmm. I will change the ISO just half a stop under and to overexpose it because I can't do a, there's no manual control. But outside of that, if you have manual control, there is no need to underrate your film because you mm -hmm. can just do that in metering. Yep. Like, you know, if you shoot in Portra 400 as 200, you just always open up a stop and you got that. Yep. And, and then if you get in contrasty light, backlit, frontlit, then you don't have to overthink what you're doing with that, that um, overexposure. Yes. Do I dare say that there's a pandemic of people shooting, you know, at 6,400, 3,200, like, like... Hashtag shoot box speed. I don't understand. I can't understand. <laughs> mm -hmm. I won't understand. You're too old, Mike. No, it has nothing to do with my age. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. It's look at Trev. Look how young he is. <laughs> well, I I went through I went through a phase where I liked I 
you know, where I was learning and I pushed everything or tried to push and see what it would do. And then, you know, just learned the hard way that you can get good results with pushed film, but like, it's got, you're gonna, it's more unforgiving. You will blow out your highlights faster, uh, higher contrast, skewed color. And it's just like, Portrait 400, any film is best at box speed. It just will always, that's why it was designed that way. And it just looks better. So, and I, I started getting better at metering once I started shooting everything at box speed as is and just understanding how each film works. Um, right. Yeah. Working within be, the limitations of the materials. It's, it's not totally. just a, a creative intent. There's experience behind it. Yeah. And, and now that, you know, Kodak helped with the fact that they added P3200 because a lot of people that were shooting mainly Kodak film, their limit was 400 for a while. So then they would push to get that, those extra stops of light. Where like now with P3200, I feel like in the darkroom, I've seen a lot more people shooting that. And it's one of my favorite. I mean, it's the film that I photographed like my daughter's birth, um, like, all of the most like intimate, like family moments that I shoot, I, I basically have a camera that just only has that in it because it's like my indoor and I don't have to push it obviously because it's already 3,200. So that's, yeah. Now if there's more options, it's, it's, it's great. Right. Well, we got a little bit off topic, but I think it's an important topic. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure sorry. we'll, we'll re, no, re, revisit it because I do, I'm sure you get a lot more emails than, than I do, but I do get a lot of emails we get a lot. asking about, um, you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm using your C41 kit, and I want to put and I'm like no. <laughs> oh yeah, we get messages about like with like with your kit, and they're like, what uh, what are the, what's the times with like pushing something like that? And I'm like, talk to them. Mm, yeah, <laughs> just like I <laughs> like kind of like thing where I'm like I kind of know what you're gonna say, but um where I'm like, that's, that's like their kit. They know what they're doing. Talk with them. And like, they'll probably just tell you to shoot box speed anyways. In the yeah, future. And, and I will say, I mean, even if someone like shot portrait 400 at 800 or even a thousand, I would still recommend to just develop normal C41 and just, you know, when you scan it, I mean, the film has a lot of latitude. It's just, mm -hmm. look, it's almost like we need a counterpoint here. It's just not my thing. And as you know, I don't know. You guys seem to be on the same page here. I mean, yeah. I mean, we push a lot of film. It's not that we don't discourage it, but we just encourage, I mean, we push a lot of film that our customers send in. Uh, if I had to encourage people to pick one or the other for pushing, I would say do it in 120 rather than 35 millimeter but we do still push it on occasion. And um, so it's not that we won't, we like will discourage people from doing it, but if, if we're asked, we're just like box speed is the best unless you just can't. And the dark room will charge extra coins, right? To, to push. Yeah. It's three, $3 extra for push for anything. Well, and maybe you should be push, push, push. <laughs> yeah maybe well i mean we want to give it's not that you can't get good results with pushing film but like our thing is to encourage encourage people to do what's going to give them the best like my instagram posts 50 percent of them are based off of what people what we're running into customer service wise okay well but, what did we learn today we learned that medium format is hot 
And if you walk into your local Midwest photo exchange or a unique photo, that's going to be a, a medium format desert. You'll see an empty shelf. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing prices on eBay are a little out of control. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, we learned that there is a worldwide epidemic of pushing film <laughs> with no one shooting box speed, except for the four people you see here on your screen. <laughs> I'm going to put a sign in my front yard with your face on it. Like, shoot box speed. That's right. Uh, and we learned that the awesome Canon EOS cameras are the best bargain. I mean, just from the perspective of price. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Best bang for your buck. Best bang for your buck. Grab a Canon really, EOS. Yeah. You'll love it. So, Trev, I want to thank you for popping in. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. The new Canon SureShot Ace with remote control puts you in your own pictures where you ought to be. You ought to be in pictures. You're wonderful to see. The new Canon SureShot Ace with remote control. So advanced, you get in on the fun. Hey, we're back. That's it. What else you got? Nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing but love and respect for our viewers. And uh, thank you for tolerating. It's 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 a great lot out there. All right, we'll see you. Uh, we'll definitely be here on December 15th every how, month. How can people get in touch with us, Mike? Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We're definitely here every, every, every 15th of every month, and we're going to try to squeeze in some more episodes. Uh, the YouTube is where it's at, honestly. Every mm-hmm. week, there's all this Zoom stuff going on. Yeah, Zoomy Zoom. So do, do check that out. Check it out. Yeah, and we'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Every day. I think about you every day